Okay, everyone, welcome again to Kingdom 101. It's good to have you back. It's good to also welcome our listeners on SoundCloud back. It's good to have you with us as you listen in to the next teaching. Uh, this evening, we're going to continue with our journey through the book of Matthew. And I think it's good if we begin with a prayer. Father, I want to thank you, Lord. Once more, Lord, we ask that as we declare your word, we want to hear from you directly, Lord. We want Jesus to be declared and glorified and magnified. And we pray, Holy Spirit, will you teach us and will you lead us? We pray also for those who may be feeling a little bit tired or drained from a full day. We ask that you will refresh us all, O Lord, so that we can be attentive in our spirits and receive all that you have for us. And so we thank you, we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have been journeying with us through this expository teaching, we are going through the book of Matthew. We've been in Matthew for quite a long while. And so I want to just give you a very quick review by way of introduction. Last teaching, we already shared with you that there are really five major discourses in the book of Matthew. And these are teaching discourses that Jesus would then give to either his disciples or to people who are listening to him. And you have narratives in between, and we plow through each and every one of these uh, little bits. The first discourse really talks about kingdom ways. That's from chapter 5 to 7. The second discourse is about kingdom assignments. And we learn about Jesus appointing the 12 disciples and sending them out. Um, specifically in this season, we're going through the third discourse, which would be the kingdom parables. The fourth one, which we'll get to soon enough, is all about kingdom community, about the church. And finally, the Olivet Discourse, which is the fifth one, uh, speaks about kingdom readiness. Because we are in Matthew chapter 13, in the last teaching entitled KOS, for those who still remember, we were talking about the kingdom operating system. It was really an introductory teaching, sort of to set the tone and to lay a foundation uh, for a mini-series as we go through the kingdom parables. And Jesus, through some of the parables, would begin by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like that. And so I chose that little phrase, the kingdom operating system, to say this is how the kingdom actually operates. You need to learn about the kingdom. You have to understand the wisdom of the kingdom. We noticed also five things in our last teaching. The first is the people. Who did Jesus talk to or who was he teaching? And the interesting point about that is that he was actually addressing people of the kingdom. Now, don't miss this one because he was teaching people of the kingdom about the kingdom of God because they were missing the king and the kingdom. Now, be careful because today it can also uh, be the same situation. God is stirring his people, his church, the people of the kingdom. Secondly, we touched on this word called the parables. And you know that these are little stories where they illustrate a truth. Now, the Lord wants to reveal the truth, but at the same time, he sort of conceals them. And it's not that he wants to hide it from certain people. It all depends on the posture of the heart. Right? So as we go through the parables, especially even for this evening's teaching, you will see that it is really the posture of the heart. The third thing is that we saw a promise that Jesus spoke about. He says that those who have, meaning to say once you start to understand things of the kingdom and you begin to move on it, you will receive even more. And it's a promise of even abundance. More and more you will receive and more you will get. At the same time, there's a negative promise also which says that if you don't have, that means if you don't get it, whatever you have even will be taken away. Uh, so it works both ways. Don't forget that. And then the Lord explains a problem. He says, it's not that I, I don't want to teach you. It's not that I want to show it to you. It's not that I want to hide it from people who don't deserve it. That's not the point. The point is that the kingdom is declared to everyone and anyone, but it really is the problem of the condition of the heart, the ears, as well as the eyes. Because they will see and they will not see, they will hear and they will not hear, and their hearts are all in the wrong place, as we will discover in the teaching that I will unfold uh, in a very, very short while. And then finally, the Lord says, well, the prophets have been waiting for this moment, and you guys are the ones that get it. This is the privilege, right? And the mysteries have already been revealed. And so KOS can also stand for the kingdom is today an opened secret. 
the secret is opened for everyone. It no longer stays a secret. And today, you and I are benefactors of that. You know, we have this privilege and we are to be stewards of these mysteries and to proclaim as well as to explain them to so many other people. And so that's a really quick roundup, a quick review of what we went through the last time because the introduction is important. Now, these five points are drawn from Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Now, you know that it is actually a little sandwich passage. The passage that comes before really is the parable proper, which is what we want to explore this evening. Jesus shares this parable, and then after that, he gives the explanation after he explains to the disciples when they asked him, why do you speak to people in parables? So this evening, the teaching is not really that difficult. All I need to do is to read you the parable, and after that, I read you the explanation, and we can close in prayer. So just note that there's a before and an after, but look at the two different groups of people. First, Jesus tells the parable to a crowd, the multitudes. And then later on, he explains to those who are interested to know, and these are the disciples. So if we notice something down here, you realize that there is a place where there's a time for proclamation, where you can proclaim and you can speak to a lot of people, and we usually have these like in church services, at seminars, at conferences. There's a place for proclamation. But at the same time, there's also a place for processing. For the processing, you can't do it in a large group. You've got to do it in a smaller group where you are able to go a lot deeper. We need to have both. Both are good. But I think the issue, as we have noticed also, is that more often than not, there is a great disconnect between the proclamation and the processing. So we have a lot of proclamation, but I'm not sure if we are really processing it enough or often enough. So broadly, this evening's message is really about the parable of the sower. If you have been a Christian for a while now, I think you would have heard at least one or two or three or four or five of this message, the parable of the sower. The main focus is the desired outcome, and it is really about fruitfulness. And there are three main items that we will explore that Jesus speaks about. One is a sower, the second is the seed, and the third is the soil. So now that you have a very, very broad overview I'm going to bring you into now the parable proper. We're going to unpack it, and I hope that we can learn something from this. And I pray that we will be encouraged by it also, and at the same time, reminded by this parable that Jesus told. The first point, let's start with this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And I start with point number one. I call it so much, or you can title it so many also. The sower is the one who proclaims the one who preaches, the one who declares, the one who teaches. And sowers are expected to sow no matter what and no matter when. These sowers, these proclaimers, the preachers, they are to sow and they are to keep sowing. And so if you are a preacher, if you are a proclaimer, that's your job. All right? What do you do? You sow and you sow and you sow. I just figure out a way to answer people today when they ask me, so how's your ministry? So, so, la. <laughs> because that's what I do. I'm, I'm sowing and sowing and sowing. That's what a sower is supposed to do. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. And don't just preach. Be ready even to convince, to rebuke, to exhort with all long suffering and with teaching. See, Paul is telling his young pastor there, he says, don't wait for people to be ready. Whether it's a season or is it not the season, you just sow, you just preach. This is interesting, right? Because in a natural, in an agricultural understanding, you wait for seasons. You don't sow all the time. But where the kingdom is concerned, we are expected to sow whether people are ready or not. You just sow because this is what is expected of us. Let's consider our present situation. And that's why I titled this first point, So Much or You So Many. 
Is it not true that we really have so much information these days? If you want a seminar or a teaching, we have so many of these. We have seminars, we have sermons, we have conferences, we have Bible studies. You can continue with that list and add on to it. If you look at the internet resources, you will be spoiled for choice. You want podcasts, so many. And please subscribe to our SoundCloud. Right? Plenty. We have so much and we have so many. Now, is that good? Well, yes, it's good that we have all these things. But we have to then ask the next question, you see. Against the so much and the so many, we have to ask, so what? So what? What is being sown? I mean, there are so many messages and there are so many preachers out there declaring so many things. But what is being sown? What is the seed? What type of seed is being sown? This is important, right? Because if you sow a certain seed, you will get a certain outcome. When we say preach the word, some say it's the good news. It's the message of salvation. Well, not wrong. Others say it's technically or generally just the word of God. If you look at the other two passages which are parallel to this parable in Matthew, in Mark chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus explains, the sower sows the word. So you got the right answer. What is the seed? The seed is the word. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, it's even more descriptive. Not just the word, but the seed is the word of God. And so we are correct still. But I like how that in Matthew, it becomes a lot more defined, more specific. It is not just any word. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 9, in the explanation of Jesus, he says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. Can you see? It's, it's even clearer. It's not just a word. It's not just uh, you just take scripture and you just pronounce it and you, you preach it. No, it has to be the word of the kingdom. And this is important for us to note. Because today, you can take a Bible verse and you can, you can preach anything. It can be inspirational. It can be motivational. But it may not be declaring the kingdom. Right? You can preach a nice Christian principle. You can teach people a good, wise saying. And they're generally okay. But you still don't declare the kingdom. And so we can miss the word of the kingdom. See, when Paul asked Timothy to preach the word... He didn't have to explain it. He says, preach the word. You can put in, in parenthesis, of the kingdom. You can almost presume that. Why? Because if you read the entire second part of the book of Acts, Paul preached the word of the kingdom. Every time Paul preached, it was always the word of the kingdom. All the way to the end, even when he was under house arrest, he was still declaring the word of the kingdom. So friends, what I'm saying is this. It's not any old word. <laughs> it's not just a, a Bible chapter and verse and then you can twist it any, any way you want. It is the word of the kingdom. Now why would Paul remind Timothy to declare the truth of the kingdom? Because if you go on from chapter 4 onwards, after that, the next verse, he says, for the time will come. Timothy, listen to this. You better preach the word. I don't care whether it's in season or out of season. I don't care whether they want to hear it or not. And if they're stubborn, will you rebuke them? Will you convince them? Will you teach them? And it's not going to be easy. You need to have long-suffering. If you are a preacher, you understand what I mean. Because when you're preaching and preaching, sometimes people think they get it, but they still don't get it. Why, Timothy? Why am I saying all these things to you? Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Teachers. And so it's not just any old word. It's not any kind of teaching. It has to be the word of the kingdom. And today you are spoiled for choice. You can pick the kind of message you want. You can pick the kind of teacher you want. If it doesn't sit well with you, you just don't listen to it anymore. You unsubscribe and you look for someone else. If this church is not serving you well enough, you go to the other five other churches because you say, I am not fed. 
I know you mean well. You want to be fed by the word. But my question is, are you picking only those things that you want? See, is the kingdom being declared today? You have to ask this question of yourself, of the preaching that you're hearing and all. Is it being declared today? Or do you hear more messages talking about us and talking about how you can have a good life, uh, how God can bless you, how God can take you out of this, take you out of that, put you in favorite places and all that? Is it about the advancement of our own well-being or is it about the advancement of the kingdom? Is it all about us or is it really all about Jesus and all that He really, really is? You see, we have so much and we have so many, but you've got to ask, so what? In Singapore, we are so blessed, if you want to talk about that. We have no excuse. We have no shortage of preaching and there's just so much sowing, but you have to ask, so what? What is being sown? And if the right seed is being sown, if it truly is the word of the kingdom, then you have to ask the third question then. Then so how? Then so how, right? I mean, you've heard the word, it's the correct word, but so how? What happens to it then? What happens to this word? If there's nothing wrong with the sower, if he's been sowing or she's been sowing and they do exactly what they need to do, if there's nothing wrong with the seed, because the seed is correct, the DNA is contained in the seed, and if the seed is of the kingdom, then there has to be a kingdom outcome. We have to ask then, so how? Why are we not seeing some of these things? And that's because we have to consider the soil. We have to consider the soil. Nothing wrong with the sower, nothing wrong with the seed. We've got to check the soil. And this is the heart of, of what Jesus is saying in this parable. He says, look, there are four different types of grounds. There are four different samples. And you know that it is indicative and representative of the condition of hearts. So for the rest of this time, let's talk about the soil. Let me present you the soil samples. Soil sample number one. Jesus says, as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. You know, previously when I would read this passage or this parable, I would wonder, are you, how come the, the sower would sow on the wayside one? Huh? Shouldn't he sow in the proper ground, right? Huh? The sower, not very smart, huh? Then I realized that, oh, in those days, they have paths that they walk through so that they can sow into the ground that would be around them. And evidently, you know, as he would throw and scatter the seed, some of the seeds would fall by the wayside. It would fall on these paths. So these are pathways that are through the fields. And if you're a farmer or you're tending to this land and all, you would walk on these a lot. So uh, pathways you, you step on and it gets hardened over time. And so Jesus explains, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And this is he who received the seed by the wayside. So if we understand that the pathway or these wayside, this ground is, is, is hardened, right? It's hardened ground because you keep stepping on it. You keep walking on it. It's like some of us trying to take a, we want to take a shortcut to the MRT or to the bus stop, right? And we don't want to walk along the concrete path and we see a path that other people have walked on it. You notice it's usually bota, no grass down there. And the soil there is hardened because we step on it. And some of these hearts, perhaps, maybe they've gone through life, it's difficult, the hearts are hardened. They have just so many problems and so many things coming against them. And these are the ones who hear the word and Jesus says, they do not understand. And it's hard ground. It's hardened ground. There's no desire to go deeper. There's no acceptance of the word. Why? Because the seed will fall on the ground, it will bounce off. And these are not just Christian principles that we're talking about. Sometimes it's easy to listen to a Christian principle and we nod and say, yeah, 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 correct, huh? very good. Huh? We're talking about the word of the kingdom, which is for some people even harder to understand. Already trying to live Christian is difficult. Can you imagine trying to live kingdom? So not everyone hears the word of the kingdom, understands it. Sometimes we can hear it and we think that, oh, kingdom and church and Christian are supposed to mean the same thing, but actually it's so nuanced. We miss the entire thing. 
And the result then is just religiosity or you get churchiness. And so when the hearts are hardened either with pride or with too many other things down there, the seeds just drop on this ground and there it is. It's on the surface. It doesn't go in at all. They don't understand it. And that's where the wicked one comes and he's so happy to help you not understand. He'll just take away this word and you can go week after week, study after study, session after session, and you get nothing out of this. And these are hardened hearts. These are hardened hearts. Nothing goes in and you can then expect that nothing will come out of it. So let me present to you soil sample number two. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But where the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. So let's notice a few things about this kind of a ground. It's rocky, it's stony, and it's got some earth, a little bit porous, so it's okay. The seed sort of falls in there. But that's it. It can't go penetrate any deeper because it's not stony on the, on the outside. It's stony on the inside also. So it's very shallow. And if it's stony, it lacks moisture. It is also dry. And so I call these shallow hearts. Jesus explains it in Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I call these shallow hearts because it's rocky, it's stony, it's got a few things in there, it doesn't penetrate right through. It's got no root. So when a seed falls in there, this guy is really good. Wow, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Good message, man, pastor. Wow, today very good, huh? And you actually talk about it over lunch and over dinner. And then you, you start to act on it a little bit. Yeah, it's good. But by the next day, you've already forgotten it. Yeah, you do nothing else with it. So there's no root. It doesn't take root. The word doesn't get deep into the heart. But you think you know. You think you're okay. And so you get out there. And don't forget, huh? it's already started to sprout a little bit, right? It springs up a little bit. That's what the word says. But then the sun comes up. The sun comes up and it's representative of tribulation, difficult times, and also persecution. And don't miss that phrase. The Lord says, when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. Because of the word. Isn't it funny? Eh? Sometimes, uh, don't even have to be because of the word. Nah? Christian already fall away. Doesn't have to be because of the word of the kingdom, you know. You don't even live the kingdom life. Huh? A bit of problem only, huh? already fall off, already, already stumble. Can you see how, how dangerous this is? But you are lulled into a deception because you're hearing the word, you listen to all the Christian principles, but you do nothing with it and you fall away. But don't miss this. This is tribulation and persecution arises because of the word. And the Lord is warning us here. You see, if you want to take the word of the kingdom and things start to grow within you and out of you and you want to lift the kingdom, it's not always going to be fun. It's not going to be easy all the time. Because when you lift the word of the kingdom, when you lift this out, it's going to be naive of us to be thinking that because I live kingdom, everyone is going to love us. This is not true. Some people sell you that kind of a message that if we live like Jesus, everyone is going to love us. Well, Jesus lived like Jesus, not everyone loved him. So we need to understand our king as well as his kingdom. There will be benefits, there will be good things, that's why it's called the good news, and that's why it's going to be so wonderful for certain people, but not everyone is going to love the things of the kingdom. If you understand the kingdom OS, the operating system, it runs opposite to the things of the world. And so there will be tribulation. There may be persecution. But the question is, do you have the depth to stand through? Do you have the depth to bear through? Will you endure some of these things because of 
the word. And just in case you think the tribulation and the persecution comes only from those who are outside of the kingdom community, can I warn you? If you catch the word of the kingdom and you begin to talk the things of the kingdom and lift the things of the kingdom, sometimes the challenges will come from within the church. Sometimes the challenges will come from within the community that is supposed to be living kingdom. Why? Because most people don't really want to know about the kingdom. They just want to go to church. And so when you lift the kingdom, you start to talk in that way, you're going to be a little bit odd, <laughs> you're going to be a little bit weird, and they're going to question you, and they can even challenge you. And as you want to share things with them about the kingdom, they're trying to tell you, don't be so fanatical, lah. don't be so sell on, can or not. And they were trying to put you down, and they're trying to hold you back, and they begin to give you challenges and trouble. I've seen so many struggle with this. I've seen so many, you know, having to grapple with this. And they start to get so upset and so disillusioned by the community within the church. You see, if you don't have the right roots of the kingdom, you may mean well to want to talk kingdom, but you can't endure. And after a while, you are going to fall. And you are going to suffer all the consequences. And you're going to fall away and you're going to get upset with the whole thing anyway. Right? And so it, it doesn't mean that just because you understand a little bit, things are going to be okay. You've got to bear through. And that's why the Lord doesn't want us to be shallow. He wants us to go deep. But you've got to get rid of the stones. He also doesn't want us to be dry because there's, there's nothing there. Because when the sun comes, it just dries you up. Your roots have got to go deep. You've got to know how to find that water, how to be refreshed in the Spirit so that you can live the ways of the kingdom. And so soil sample number one, what hearts are those? Hardened hearts, right? Sample number two are shallow hearts. These are not good soils. We go to soil sample number three. Matthew chapter 13, verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Jesus explains, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So what happens to this guy now? The seed falls on the soil of the heart of this person, but their thorns. Now what are these thorns? The thorns are not your tribulations. Huh? The thorns are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and in Luke it talks about even the pleasures of life. I call these distracted hearts. How many of you want to say amen to this one? Can you identify with this? Do we struggle with this? I mean, there's a certain level of distraction in all of our lives. And there's some growth. You realize this? It comes out. But the key thing to note is, it is unfruitful. He becomes unfruitful. There is growth, but in the Gospel of Luke, there is no fruit to maturity. Now, don't miss all these little descriptors, you know. Sometimes uh, we will miss these things. What it means for us is that, you see, we can go to church, we can listen to the Word, we apply it a little bit, we see some growth, we think we're okay. And what you have will be complacent Christians, deceived Christians, you know enough about the Christian concepts but no fruit. No fruit. You go back and you study fruitfulness in the Bible, the biblical imagery of fruit. Right from the start of our study in the book of Matthew, John the Baptist already came onto the scene and said, hello, you guys should be bearing fruits worthy of repentance. And if there's no fruit, the axe is laid to the root of the trees and the Lord's going to chop it down. We're going to cut it down. It's all about fruit. So it's not just about growing a little bit. Oh, I can argue with you now. You know, I can, I can discuss things with you now. Uh, I, I did my BSF homework. It's not that. It's about bearing fruit to maturity. And if you miss this, you miss the entire picture. The cares of the world can choke it. The deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of life. These are the ones that will cause the unfruitfulness. See, when you begin to take the word of the kingdom, 
it's easy to agree with it. Okay, I won't say it's easy. I would say that um, you can agree with it, but it does not mean that you will follow through with it. Because to lift the kingdom, it is at odds with the things of the world. And the truth is, for many of us, we want the best of both worlds. We want to have our cake and also eat it. But the kingdom calls for a certain kind of living, calls for a certain sacrifice, calls for a certain depth, calls for a certain giving up of certain things, calls for a certain focus. And we don't like that, you see, because we want to have the best of both worlds. So it's nice when we can go and sit in a nice air-conditioned auditorium, listen to all these things and tick the boxes. We've done the Christian stuff and we, we know the right Christian answers. But to live it out, we are distracted. We're distracted by the cares of the world. The cares of this world. And that's what's stopping so many people. They can come to church, but they don't live out these things because the cares choke it out. It chokes out a life of the kingdom. It's so easy to deceive ourselves because most of the people don't even come for the Bible study. So since I came for a Bible study, I'm better than you. But the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus didn't say those who came for Bible study. <laughs> those who came for Bible study can still be choked by the cares of this world. And especially for many of us in Singapore, we understand the pressures of this life. I was having lunch with a couple of friends yesterday and everyone agrees. Like, it's crazy. We're we are so much in this pressure cooker. We actually we don't realize it. But when the other people from a different country, when they come and they see this pace, they can't take it. And now there's a lot more counseling even for the foreigners. Because when they come into Singapore and they see the nice, successful city-state that we are, but they don't realize the kind of pace that we're running at. The cares of this world. It will cause you to say, I can't live this way, I can't have that. You know, Jesus will understand it's okay. These are the thorns. The second category is the deceitfulness of riches. And this will compete with your understanding of, of being lowly and last in the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that you cannot be rich. This is not the point. If you're not rich, it's one thing. If you're rich, there's more chance of being deceived by riches, isn't it? where you think that you are highly favoured and you are blessed of the Lord. So you have to be careful about all these things. If we are not careful, then we buy into a prosperity gospel again. And the prosperity gospel is not the word of the kingdom. The kingdom is about prosperity, but not in the way that it has been preached through the prosperity gospel. The book of Luke adds a third category. It says the pleasures of life. So now that you've settled your cares of this world, <laughs> you've got less cares now, you, you've got enough money already, now we want to have pleasures of life. So you want to enjoy yourself. And that's going to choke a kingdom life. Remember Paul actually told Timothy that in the last days you'll be careful, there'll be perilous times. Because men will be lovers of pleasure. So can you see that today there's a lot of focus on pleasure? You need to have me time. And self-care is good, soul-care is good. I'm not saying that you don't look after yourself. But it's all about you. You must have me time. You, know? you must protect your own this. Or you must have that, you must have this. You must think of yourself first because if you don't think of yourself, then you can't help other people. And it's couched in that way. So you must go for your holiday. Not every year, but every quarter. Right? You've got to have this, you've got to have that. Because this is the norm, you see, we've made it into a, a, a need, a, a criteria for us now. That's a pleasure of life. And it chokes away the life of the kingdom. And Jesus is warning that the third soil, is the third sample is like that. The hearts are distracted. And then you, you squeeze in church. You add in church a little bit. And if you're serving every now and then in the church, oh, you're good. It's not like that. That's not the kingdom, you see. It's deceptive. And the Lord is very, very clear about it. He says this third one is not good either because you have some growth, but there's no fruit to maturity. And so we come to the fourth one. And the Lord says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 8, But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And then he explains but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit 
Can you see that? It's always about fruitfulness. And produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Yeah, the first sample is about hardened hearts, and the second is about shallow hearts, and the third one is about distracted hearts. Then I would call these, the fourth soil, circumcised hearts. Hearts that are set apart. Hearts that are ready to listen and also to receive. See, a heart that is circumcised is one that God can write the word onto tablets of this heart. It will stick. It will stay. Right? It will not wash off. It will not roll off. It will not slide off. And this heart is pliable. This heart is soft. This heart is teachable. This heart has a desire to want to dig a little deeper into this word. Um, this heart wants to go deeper into the spirit. The heart and the mind are closely related. The heart and the mind will be set on spiritual things and not things of this world or on the fleshly things. So this heart is a right condition. The soil has the right condition for the word to take root, not just to take root, but also to grow and later on to bear fruit. Now, circumcised hearts would also yield a right response. And what's a right response? A right response is to hear the word, understand the word, as well as to accept the word. Let me explain this a little bit to you. You realize when Jesus spoke the parable, the first thing he says is, now hear this parable. In the book of Mark, it says, hey, listen, the Shema is about listening. Hear, O Israel. You notice something? There's a trend down here. He who has ears, let him hear. So Jesus is always saying this. Hello, you paying attention or not? Are you listening or not? Are you hearing correctly or not? Are you hearing, but are you hearing? Remember the problem that Jesus spoke about as well as the promise that comes. The problem is that people are hearing, but they're not really hearing. They're seeing, but they're not really seeing. But there's a promise. If you hear correctly, more will be given unto you. In the parable in Mark, it says, take heed what you hear. So be careful what you're hearing, you know. Sometimes we hear what we want to hear. It always boggles me. After I do so much research, plan my message, put in so much effort, and I preach my heart out, and after the service, someone comes up to me and says, wow, pastor, thanks for the word. Nah. And he, he says something that I never say at all. And I just say in my heart, okay, lah, you know, thank you, God. Lah. I think he got something else. Maybe you wanted to tell him something. You wanted to tell him that. But that wasn't the point. See, people will hear what they want to hear. So take heed what you hear. In Luke, it says take heed how you hear. You see the posture of the heart. Are you ready to hear? Do you come wanting to hear something? Or do you come wanting to judge the speaker, how he's presenting it? Right? Sometimes we are guilty of that, isn't it? But you come postured to receive something from the Lord. And if you come in that way, I believe the Lord would always speak to us. Hearing the word is a first response. But as you hear, begin to understand. In the Greek, the word hear is coupled with understanding. So you have to hear with understanding. If you don't understand, will you ask? If you don't understand, will you process it a little bit more? Don't just throw it away. Don't just leave it one side. And many of us, because we are busy, we're distracted, you know, we're like, ah, never, 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 it's okay, yeah, I don't understand it. Jesus is saying, look, I'm trying to share with you the mysteries of the kingdom. You want to know the mysteries or not? Do you want to dig in a little bit more? Huh? Do you want to pitch in? Come on, you know, can, can you lean in? A, will you listen? Can you understand this? If you don't understand, ask. If you don't understand, ask again. If you need more time, pray about it. You know, sit at the feet of Jesus. You have to hear the word. You have to understand the word. But just because you understand something doesn't mean you accept it. Sometimes we go, oh, I see. Also, the, ah, I understand already. I did so how? <laughs> After you understand it, so how? After you understand it, you have to accept it, right? You've got, you got to bring it in. You've got to embrace it. Because every time you encounter the truth, it requires a response. You can either accept it or you can reject it. You can receive it. You can, you can resist it. So what's the right response? These circumcised hearts will respond correctly. You will hear it. You will understand it. And you will accept it. And as you accept that, then it moves on to the next step. Then, then there's a right action that comes out of it. You begin to keep the word. 
you don't just hear the word, you don't just understand it, you don't just accept the word, you begin to keep the word. Have you heard of this joke before? Christians keep the word so well, we don't know where to find it. From young, we've always been told, right, Bible memory, Bible memory. And you have to keep the word, keep the word. And really, you know, for some people, is that they memorize it by rote, and after they can't remember anything. And they keep the way they keep, 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 keep. After they don't know where to find it already. What does it mean to keep the word? See, to keep the word means to hold fast to it. Hold on to it. That's your reference. This is it, you know. This is your reference point. And today we have a word for it, right? We call it an alignment check. You're aligned with the word. What's your reference? Jesus is the living word. He's the logos. He has given us the written word, right? He speaks to us by the spirit of the word, Is that your reference? Is that your kingdom reference? How are you living by this word? You see, this is the alignment check. If you don't know the king, you can't align with the king. If you don't understand his kingdom, then what are you aligning with? You can be aligning with a very uh, religious uh, ritual that you have been taught and you think you're okay. And so as Christians, every Sunday we go to church, but it's nice, but is that it? If you're only going to church, listening to the Word, but you're not aligning with that Word, you're not holding fast to this reference point, you're not measuring everything against it and by it, then you're deceiving yourself, you see. You're not having the right heart, the soil is still not right. But once you align and you live out of that, to keep the Word means to do it. It's called obedience. It's called obedience, right? No point quoting all these things, speaking Christianese, you know, uh, using the right scripture verses, uh, like, like, like on Facebook, share, share, share on Facebook, but then you never obey. You never do it. James chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So number one, accept it, right? It's planted already. Accept it. Take it in. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And we've got to ask ourselves, you know, it's so easy to listen to a word, to study the word, but to do the word, to live it out, to obey. I'll be the first to put up my hand to say, I struggle with it at times. I struggle big time because I want to live my own way. I want to live my own life. I want, to, I want to do it according to my own time. And I can rationalize it any way I want. But you see, that's not keeping the Word and it's not holding fast to the Word. We've got to put the Word into practice. You've got to get practical. Because there's a promise also. Because when you use the Word, the more you use the Word, the more you grow in the Word. Listen, right? The more you use the Word, the more you grow in the Word. I give you a reference in Mark chapter 4, verses 24, which comes after this parable, which means it's in the same context. And in the Gospel of Mark, there's an explanation. Jesus said to them, Take heed what you hear. Hearing again, huh? Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use. Take heed what you hear, but with the same measure you use. See, after you hear, you must use. You must do it. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So hearing and using it, synonymous now. Right? It's expected. It's related. And then comes the promise. For whoever has, to him more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I challenge you, my dear friends. You see, it's not just the listening of the Word. If you really want to grow, it's not how much you know. It's how much you apply it. And the more you apply it, more is given to you. And you will see that the learning curve may be a little steep, but the rate of return is exponential. It's crazy. And that's the promise. We went through it the last teaching. I'm telling you again this time, when you use the Word, you begin to grow in the Word. And you see, growth is important Because if you're talking about a seed and it begins to sprout and it's growing, growth will point to fruit. It's natural. To grow in this word means to then to bear fruit. You begin to see things come out. Growth naturally produces fruit. If it doesn't, 
you've got to check the soil, you've got to check the seed again, and you've got to check the whole thing one more time. You've got to see, is there fruitfulness? Because the focus of the kingdom is fruitfulness. And there are two types of fruit, broadly, as I would summarize for you. The first is what I call bringing fruit to maturity. Or I'm quoting from Luke, at least. Huh? Bringing fruit to maturity. There's a spiritual growth. There's a maturity unto the likeness of Christ. And the Lord wants us to be like Him. How do we describe this? The Bible puts it in another way. Uh, Paul says the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is grown, right? So are we loving more? Do we have more joy? Are we walking in peace? Are we more patient? Don't ask my children. Are we displaying more and more kindness, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness? Are we exhibiting self-control? This is fruit to maturity. The Spirit has taken over versus the works of the flesh. Are we bearing fruits of righteousness? Or are we still cutting corners and living unrighteously? Are we responding to the Lord's discipline and His correction as He restores us and He moves us towards the hope of righteousness? Are we bearing fruits of holiness where we are living more sinless lives? We're still sinning. But are we improving in that area? Are we living as slaves of holiness unto the Lord? Or is holiness a bad word nowadays? So prudish, so old-fashioned. Are we growing in the fruit of our lips which is praise? What's coming out of our mouths? You see, this is bringing fruit to maturity, spiritual growth. It's about fruit in this area. The second is about bearing fruit of ministry. These are the good works that we are supposed to be doing. We call them assignments. The fruit of lives impacted for the kingdom. Are we reaching people for the Lord? Are we impacting people with the good works of the kingdom? Are we pleasing the Lord and being fruitful in every good work? Just these two indicators you've got to ask yourself. If you're not seeing these two more and more, you've got to check the soil. If the soil is okay, then you've got to check the seed. But if the seed is okay, then the soil is in question. We've got to look for these fruits. It's always about fruitfulness. Even the difficult times that comes against us, the Lord allows it for the sake of fruitfulness. You don't believe? When I was younger, I remember that we had a garden in our house and I was made to do some gardening. I wasn't a good gardener, but I had to do it. So I was digging and we were planting all these things and we planted a mango tree. But after years, the, the mango tree came up had no fruit. Later on, we chopped it down. But before that, before that, what did we do? Potentially, what did we do? We planted the seed. As it was growing, we would put fertilizer. And in those days, we had to buy natural fertilizer. We call them manure. Right? Manure. And you put fertilizer so that the tree will grow even better, so that it hopefully will bear fruit, right? And so your life gives you manure. Sometimes the Lord allows it because you need manure to mature. The Lord allows some of these things because it's building the person that's within us. Is that amen? This is all about fruitfulness. If you understand the manure is there for you to mature, then you bear through it. You receive it. And the good stuff that comes out of that is for the glory of the Lord. Because the right fruit will finally then lead to the right harvest. Every farmer, every sower wants to see a harvest. That's what you live for, right? That's what it is. But the exciting thing about the word of the kingdom is that this harvest is not a one-fold harvest, which is quite normal. Two, you're jumping for joy. Three, wow. It's supernatural. It's 30-fold. It's 60-fold. And some even 100-fold. And it's totally consistent. You go and read John chapter 15, right? Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches, right? And what he wants is for the branch to bear fruit. But if, once you begin to bear some fruit, the Father prunes you so that you can bear more fruit. But He's not happy with just more fruit. 
He's not just satisfied with that. What he wants is much fruit. 30 already, it's crazy, man. It's super crazy. But with the things of the kingdom, you can get even to a hundredfold. And Jesus says, I want you to bear fruit that remains. See, sometimes when we look at this 30, 60, 100, I've heard preachers preach it before. Oh, you know, we're going to take an offering. If you're going to sow into the ministry right now, huh, you're going to read 30, 60, and 104. We're not talking about that. The parable is not about you putting money in. Can you see? It's a, it's a wrong word. The word of the kingdom is about your life, about fruitfulness in your life, not your bank account. Jesus says, I want you to bear fruit that remains. Even if you can, if you can make a hundredfold in the stock market, when we're talking about eternity, that will not last. Fruit that will remain. In the same parable in the book of Luke, keep this word, keep this seed, bear fruit with patience. Why? Because it's going to take time, it's going to come, it's going to come. It's for an eternal harvest. You're talking eternity, my friends. My question is, how's the soil? So how? So how? So you've listened to so many messages. Let's bring this to a close. <laughs> you've gone to so many seminars. You've gone to so many conferences. I'm so happy that some of you are coming to AWE this weekend. So much. So many. If you are a preacher or a teacher, you just keep sowing. Amen? No pressure. Just keep doing in season, out of season, just do it. But you've got to ask yourself, after the so much and so many, you've got to ask, so what? What are you listening to? What are you declaring? What are you preaching? It has to be the right seed. It must be the word of the kingdom. And I heard someone preach it this way, trust the seed. See, sometimes uh, we try to dig around the seed, we'll do a little bit more, dig a spray a little bit. You know, we're trying to help the seed. He said, trust the seed. Why? Because the seed of the kingdom it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Your part is to preach it correctly and to declare it well. Your part, if you're a listener, is to receive it correctly. But the question again we ask, so how? Four types of soil. And as we wrap up, I want you to understand that there are two ways that you can approach this. One way is to ask yourself, am I one, two, three, or four? Another way is to ask yourself, which part of my life is one, which part is two, which part is three, which part is four, right? For some of us, you know, Monday to Saturday yeah, can be one, two, three. Lah. And then by Sunday, yeah, I'm four. I'm very good. I take a lot of notes. One. It can be one, two, three, four all at the same time. Right? It doesn't mean that your one really means all one. There are different aspects and we compartmentalize. This is our problem. But if you have a hardened heart, if you have been hurt, you've been stepped upon, can I tell you, Jesus has restored you at the cross. Go to the Lord, let Him break up this fallow ground. Right? Will you allow Him to heal you? Soften that soil once more. Let the rain come. Let the rain come and let the seed be received. If you have a shallow, shallow heart, shallow soil, you've got stones all over the place, can you remove the stones? I don't know what's blocking you. What's stopping you? What's taking the water away? What's stopping you from putting roots down? I don't know, maybe you, are, you can't commit to something. You know, some people are like that. I, I don't want to commit just in case something else better come along. Commit. Put your roots down. Then you can grow. Maybe you are a distracted heart. There are thorns all over the place. What are the cares of this world? Jesus says, don't care so much. I think in the Hokkien Bible, it says, bochap. <laughs> I know you are caring and you are concerned, but there's a fine line before concern becomes worry. You care about your children, you care about your money, you care about your retirement, you care about this, you care about that. We know. But Jesus has got it under control, amen? If you trust the King, if you live the kingdom way, then you live for Him. He will take care of the things in the right time, in the right way. Be careful the deceitfulness of riches. Money is not everything. It serves a lot of purposes, I know. But it's not the only thing, right? The Lord says, look, if you would seek first the kingdom... All these things will be added unto you. 
But you see, if you don't have a heart for the kingdom, you will not seek the kingdom, and that's why you're worried, and that's why you're distracted, and that's why you are deceived. And don't chase the pleasures of life. I mean, I, I love a good thing every now and then, isn't it? I mean, relax, enjoy, yeah, sure. But are you focused on the things of the kingdom? You see, what differentiates all this soil? I believe it is a question, do you have a heart for the kingdom? That's it. Do you have a heart for the kingdom? There are four soils, but I, I can't say that it's equally divided 25%. Eh? I can't say it's a quarter of, of all believers are like that, right? One quarter here, one quarter, one quarter. I don't know. I don't have the statistics. But looking around, I think the, the, four, the four soil number one, eh, the, the ideal one, eh, the percentage is like, not very big now. But you've got to figure out that one yourself. I only have an experience of our keepers awakening and I'll show you my little experience. I'll share it with you. You see, the hardened ones are those that don't really want to hear the word. Nah. It knocks and it drops off. And so when you go declare the message of awakening, they're all asleep, you see. They don't listen to you. They don't understand. Our keepers, who? What? Don't know. Nah. Don't know what you're talking about. Awake, wake, wake, wake up, what? Don't need to wake up. Nah. We're okay. They just don't understand it. They don't want to know it. We say, oh, kingdom assignment. I uh, don't need to talk one now. I saved already. I'm going to heaven already. That's the first one. But the second soil is a stony one. Awaken. Wow. Pastor, really? Uh, the church need to hear this. No. Must, wow, must awake. Lah. True, true. I'm very awakened. I, after the seminar, I'm very awake. Eh. So they spring up for joy. They say, wow, they're very excited. You know? Wow, this is the word, man. This is, this is right, man. This is the awakening. Amen. But they don't go deep. Then we tell them, you must go online. Well, don't need a line. I awake can already. I'm very awake. I don't need a line. Can you see the problem? And so they're shallow. The next preacher comes also, hey, awaken, amen. And then the next time, wow, they're very good, amen. But they don't move on. But some will move on to the third stage. Okay, I want to get a line. I want to get a line. Okay? So they move on alignment and they sign up for a mentoring aligning process. Then they go through the whole thing they learn. But then, they, they learn the principles, but they find that the aligning is not easy. The thorns come, right? The cares will come. Then they tell, Pastor, you don't understand now. Of course I understand. I struggle with the same thing. Then the, the money thing come in. The pleasure thing come in. Then after a while, they go for the next program already. Because why? Six months over already. Ma. They sign up for the next one. So do they get aligned? They don't. They, but they, they grow. After that, they can tell you what alignment is. Doesn't mean they align. But they grow, but there's no fruit to maturity. Are you hearing this? But you see, the assigned ones are those who, who really take it, and they go, and they go deep, and they grow up, and they begin to bear fruit, right? Because it's, it's alignment to the person of Christ. It's assignment for the kingdom of Christ. They bear fruit to maturity, and they also bear fruit in ministry. So I give you my experience. Uh. I don't see 25% uh. I don't see 25% at all. I, I like to comfort myself. I think the sower is sowing. Uh. I sow and sow and sow and sow and sow. And sow. I told you it's a so-so ministry. I keep checking myself. Is there anything wrong with the seed? Amen? I keep checking with the seed. Am I sowing kingdom? Am I teaching kingdom? Am I saying what Jesus really is saying? If I'm wrong, Lord, will you teach me? Will you help me align? so that I can also declare correctly. If the soul is doing his part, if the seed is right, then the soil is your domain. I can't help you with the soil. The soil is your issue. And so I ask you, as I started just now, so how? Message over already. So how? You just heard another message. Which soil are you? Which soil do you want to be? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the words of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for a parable that is really not difficult to understand. It is simple enough for everyone to know what you're really saying. But Lord, simple doesn't mean that it's easy to live out. And Lord, we confess, we readily admit we struggle. We are soil number one, number two, number three. We really want to be number four. And there are some parts we are okay as soil number four. 
But Lord, there are so many other areas that we need your help in. And so I pray, Lord, for, for everyone listening in. Will you heal us, help us, enable us? If there are things that we need to deal with decisively, Lord, we cling to the cross, oh Lord. We ask you to help us, Holy Spirit. But Lord, as we do our part and as we respond, Lord, we stand into that promise of a supernatural harvest, oh Lord. And that we cannot do, that we cannot generate. Only you can do it by the seed and the DNA of the kingdom. And so I pray a blessing upon everyone. I want to thank you, Lord. I want to say this by faith, that may we all, Lord, one day stand before you, being able to present a 30, 60, even a 100-fold harvest, and to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.